Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The New Nasty Boys. I'm your co-host this morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you decide to listen to this thing, Billy DeVore, and sitting across me on the screen is... Chris Weir. What's up, Thank you for joining us remotely in uh, (laughs) some different rooms, some different little atmospheres here. Uh, it's uh, we have a little special one here for you. We did a nice interview earlier on in the day with a VIP, so we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But uh, VIP, VIP CEO, it, yeah. man, mine was great. Uh, what was that? Uh, Friday, uh, had a Halloween party at a friend's house, dressed up as Concrete Halloween, a very deep dive sketch. Because I'm not sure a, a concrete Halloween. Yeah. So Tim Robinson did the sketch for the skateboarding company where he was the leader of a skate crew. And there was a guy who was uh his name is his name's Concrete Halloween. And he he's he wears a monster mask and has no trick in mind. That <laughs> sounds like such a Tim Robinson sketch as soon as you phrase it that way. And he said, what's the other line? He's like, he skates with two open knives in his pocket. <laughs> whenever he goes to skate, whenever he goes to, he has no trick in mind. Oh, God damn it. Are you there? Oh, I just heard you. Okay. There, there you, you are. Good thing we have some other stuff recorded. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So uh Tell me more about the, the Halloween party. I'm sorry. So it was great. And uh and we posted a picture and tagged Tim and he liked it. That's rad. Yeah. So cool. Dude, a lot of people don't know he's an actual skateboarder, which I find fucking super awesome. Yeah, he shreds. Like he's been on like the cover of Thrasher. Dude, rad man. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Saturday, Garrett and Osha's wedding. It was fantastic. A beautiful time. Nice. And then a very lazy Sunday watching sports, but productive. Won like 180 bucks on FanDuel. There you go. Gamble away, baby. Make you some money. No downsides to it. None whatsoever. It's not a terrible addiction where I'm thinking about putting down the mortgage, but yeah, I mean, if you can have like a set amount of like dollars you're willing to not bet, I mean, if you, you know, have your line and your limits. But then again, if you're an irrational person uh, that's addicted to things, uh, you're kind of screwed because I mean, it's on your phone. It's so easy. Imagine being able to get like alcohol from your phone or weed from your phone. <laughs> like, it'd people be just like, I'd be on my phone all day more than what I am. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You'd up your usage from 11 to 13 hours for sure. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that was my weekend. How was yours? Uh, it was good. Uh, I spent the weekend at the the banana. It was at uh, Good Bananas Comedy Club in Cincinnati. 
Uh, was mm. was there, crushed it. He just recorded an album. I'm sorry, a special uh, at the Comedy Cellar. Uh, he he did so good uh, this weekend. And then Hannah Young Home was hosting. Uh, she's back in from Chicago at least uh, for this week, and super fun seeing her. She's such a, a bubbly, fun, uh, talented comic. So it was a super uh, cool weekend. That's awesome. I, I so. How how much of the uh, I mean he recorded his special what like a month ago, so I think it may be more recent than that. You know, I think it may have even been like last week, if I'm not mistaken. But like, yeah, it was like super recently. Yeah, and so which means he probably already has you know 25 new minutes. He's so prolific. Yeah, he already had a bunch of new stuff. I mean, and just like hearing him like throw out like an idea and then tweak it from show to show, as well as uh, hearing him because like everyone so like during like check drop will have people like throw out suggestions or something and just have him just you know kind of riff around so it's really loose really fun and yeah dude it's just like he's such a easy person to be envious of like his uh writing ability it's crazy just a machine and, yeah, and uh audience hasn't picked up on yet i got a sore throat too that's also a dual reason why we're doing some zoom stuff here yeah he he definitely doesn't want to get me sick you know he's he's really being thoughtful honestly i am i mean as much as i want you want you over here i just know i I wouldn't be able to resist kissing you buddy Uh, i know normally you know how we greet each other you open my mouth and cough directly into it so it's super fun it's an old romanian tradition that i have uh we're not from there but so it's weird that we do it it's odd just so odd um so yeah we're gonna try and keep this brief we're gonna recap the world series next week uh, at the moment the rangers are up three to nothing on the snakes oh wow man i missed it, uh, the last couple runs yeah they're in the snake pit so um yeah we're gonna talk about that next week um and then we're gonna do our final off season wish of the year and then we're gonna get to the interview we i mean it's just it's so exciting yeah, it was a fun interview. He gave us a lot of information, uh, really uh, shed light on this. Would You know, I think, and Billy would probably agree, this really cool brand new future of baseball starting in like a different hemisphere. So Yeah, pretty it awesome. And he was super re- uh, relatable. Uh, he was very nice, down to earth. He was a baseball fan, very intelligent, uh, was very gracious with the amount of things he was willing to share and uh, it, it was really fun. He gave us uh, so much stuff to uh, talk about and share with you guys. So we're really yeah. excited for that. And also lives in Cincinnati. So it's like, how 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 did how do you ever you ever think you'd meet somebody that would connect Dubai to Cincinnati? I didn't. And he's really doing it too by bringing in like th- these ambassadors, uh, these coaches. Uh, you know, Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo. There's some other. Uh, you know connections that are there that uh we'll get into later but yeah that was that was really and then he dropped the bombshell but you know you're gonna have to just stick around so you can hear it um all right here we go guys off season wish number four to close it out bring in a veteran starting pitcher that's pretty cool. Now, Billy, um, some people might say, like, oh, well, we have, you know, it, it's already full. We got Nick Lodola. We got Ashcraft. We got Hunter Green. We got some other people. Abbott. Like, 
is there really room for another starting pitcher? What would you say to that? There's always room, baby. You yeah. got to make room, dude. You need to bring in a guy who's been there before, someone who actually can come in and anchor the rotation with all these young guys. You know, um, last year it was supposed to be supposed to be Luke Weaver, but we all know how that worked out. And mm. so you've got to bring in a dog who's going to just, you know, go up to Hunter Green, be like, hey, man, I saw you do this. What if you tried this? And then guess what? Then now Hunter Green has developed a third pitch, something yeah, along yeah. the lines of like, you know, just being a gamer and being a pro with all these guys being so young, you need someone to help lead the pack with a lot of veteran experience. I agree with that. And like the residual effects that you have of just having like a veteran presence there, the knowledge that they can, uh, you know, pass down to all these other players is huge. And like we've seen uh, with this past season, uh, the amount of injuries that do stack up. We were relying on players that only ended up contributing less, one less than 40 innings, and we had them marked in, penciled in as our number two starter for the entire year and just didn't you know, end up happening that way. So, yeah, I think uh, having a nice, good, quality veteran starting arm is going to have uh, numerous benefits for the team. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with having depth. You know, absolutely nothing wrong. Would it is it kind of a bummer to see? Would this would it be a bummer to see one of these guys get kind of you know thrown out of the mix? Yeah, it would be a bummer. But guess what, man? It's competition, and you're going from winning 82 games to trying to win 88 to 95 wins. You're trying to you're trying to level up. How do you do that? Bring in a dog. Yeah, totally feasible. And when you're just counting, you know, at the end of the year, you're counting uh, runs, outs, games, just all these little numbers there. You guys start stacking up innings and stuff too. So, yeah, and now we're seeing it too, like in the playoffs. You need to be able to have like depth, uh, you know, on, on the front end. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the Rangers continued to do. When they were dropping like flies at the, at the trade deadline, they went out and they got Max Scherzer. They went out and they got Jordan Montgomery. To pair mm-hmm. with Ivaldi, John Gray, and after they had lost Degrom, I mean, that's something that—that's how you win in the postseason. Yeah, it's one of the big reasons why they're here. Yep, and then if you've got your four or five starters, then you move them to the pen, and there you go—you've got even more depth that's coming out of those gates. Yeah, I like that a lot. You're just more dangerous. Yeah. So here's my list. <laughs> Let's hear your list. Number one, Sonny Gray. Woo! Number two, Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Number three, Eduardo Rodriguez, if he opts out. Now, look, you might be like, Billy, but where, what about like Shohei Otani or Blake Snell? Shut up. Be realistic. <laughs> We're not doing that. That's not happening. These are guys that are going to fit into the budget. They can spend a little bit of money. And get a lot of production. Yeah, you don't need to spend like an absolute ton. Of, you're gonna have to definitely open up the coin purse, but you don't need to get you know spend a billion dollars on on just a few players. No, and Shohei Otani's not pitching next year. He's mm-hmm. out with TJ. I mean, it'd be cool. Don't get it twisted. If Shohei Otani put on that number seventeen in a in a Cincinnati Redlegs uniform, I'm not complaining. No, and that would seriously boost the economy in Cincinnati. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. You know, just like extracurriculars, he would like attract. It'd be great oh, for the city. It'd be huge. Yeah. 
Well, and also, like, I mean, I remember going to that series in 19 when the Angels were here and Shohei was here. And, man, like, I had never seen so many Japanese people at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, I mean, they uh, have, like, uh, a big, you know, uh, person representing you know, fucking amazing baseball in their culture. So that's, he's doing, you know, great stuff for introducing baseball to a whole bunch of people. Yeah. 100%. We'll start with my number one, which is Sonny Gray. This seems like a no brainer. There's, it just seems like it's a too perfect of a fit. He loved, he loved pitching. He loved pitching here. He loves DJ, which was his pitching coach in college at Vanderbilt. Uh, he resurrected his career in Cincinnati and why not? You know, I mean, come on, like, it's not going to be crazy expensive. He's going into his age 34 season. So he's a guy, this is the last big contract he'll get. And I don't, I don't think that, and I think with how thin the market is, I don't think he can really go around demanding a ton of money. I think it's definitely worth the Reds time to reach out and have that conversation because you you never know. He right. You just have no clue. You have no idea. You know, he could be by the time, you know, he gets gets into age 34 season, you give him three more years. That's uh, you know, you're looking at age 37 season. Maybe you give him an option for age 38. Um you just don't know. But what is extremely promising still with Sonny Gray is he still has elite fastball and curveball spin. That mm-hmm. plays, that plays, that always plays. No matter what, how fast you're throwing it, if you can still spin it, you're going to be fooling a ton of hitters. Yeah, and just being able to have a great placement, quality pitches too. I mean, you're seeing a, a lot of different sorts of speeds in the uh, World Series now from pitchers, and it's a lot about just knowing what your stuff is and being able to uh, control your pitches. Yeah, and that's what Sonny's really good at. He's, um, from last season, pitching run value and breaking run value, 99th percentile. Fastball run value, 96th percentile. Get a lot of bang for your buck there, man. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of value with him. So, yeah, that does seem to be, like, around, like, the the ballpark for, like, what we're trying to spend. Yay! Uh, for, uh, you know, help with our starting pitching. No, it just makes the most amount of sense. He che- he checks a lot of boxes. Um, but yeah, three-year deal. I'm going to guess, you know, if a three-year deal, 75 to 80 with mm-hmm. a f- option for a fourth-year club option, obviously. That's what I would do. But again, what have we said so far this offseason? Yeah. It's not our money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. It's like, yeah, I feel great spending that amount of money. Like, personally, <laughs> I don't mind. I, you yeah. can spend more if you, if yeah. you ask me. But no, th- those numbers seem uh, accurate for uh, where he's at with his, uh, you know, his age and ability. And maybe uh, he'd be willing to come back and play ball for the Reds. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, Jordan Montgomery is my number two. I mean, he's been on a run since getting traded. He's got a 44.1 ground ball rate in the 2023 season. That's also including his time in St. Louis, which wasn't too great, but not his fault because uh, it was just the Cardinals uniform that he was wearing. So I don't really blame him. A lefty, 
a guy who's turning, who's going to be in his age 31 season next year, a guy who gets just a ton of ground balls would be a very good fit at GABP. But the more he pitches this postseason and the farther and farther they go and the better and better he pitches, the more and more expensive he gets and he gets out of our price range. Yeah, uh, you said it. I'd like seeing the way he's performing in the postseason. You really want to have, you know, again, like we're talking about a veteran presence, somebody that's been there before to show these young uh, Reds players uh, how to go about playing ball, you know, past October or into October, into November. But, um, yeah, that that would be nice. But he is probably going to see you – know, it's going to be probably at the highest uh, price point of his career, perhaps. Yeah, this is the big one for him, the one that you work towards. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's likely, and especially this next guy, I don't think it's likely, but uh, you know, there's a reason we have starting pitchers. So down uh, far down on our list, um, it's just because, you know, it, we did need it at the end of this season. They could have made a move. Um, but I put it so far down because I think it's one of the things that's most likely to happen. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, it seems like uh, they showed that they do have a lot of great potential, a lot of great, um, you know, arms that they have. But there still is uh, an issue in terms of if someone goes down, there's going to be a scramble like they had uh, all this past season. Yeah. So basically you put in you fill in one hole and you fill that hole in. Lodolo comes back healthy, stays healthy. Big if then you've got three or four guys that can step right back up. And the last guy on our list, Eduardo Rodriguez, he's got to opt out of that contract first. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will. He should die to trade to the Dodgers. He said, no, thank you. And he's like, I have family here. I don't want to be, I don't want to move my family around. And on top of that, he had some health issues this year. He had, he had to step away for a little bit. We don't know what they are. And it's none of our business. We're not his doctor. So, um, I don't think he'll move, but it's another guy, lefty ground ball machine that would fit very nicely at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, uh, and that's just what would be another great fit, you know, for the Reds and that GABP, uh, a lefty pitcher, somebody that can play well uh, in our little bit of a small ballpark, and I think uh, it'd be great for the clubhouse too. But uh, yeah. we'll see. Forty-two point four percent ground ball rate, all that fun shiz. So a guy who fit. Um, okay. I think it's time. Yeah. Guys, um, we're very excited to introduce to you our guest, uh, Cash Shake. He is the CEO of Baseball United. He's, he's got an impressive resume, man. He spent nine years at Procter and Gamble, helping build brands internationally, traveling the globe over to 50 other countries that then left and went to GoPro to take them from a startup all the way to the behemoth that they are today, started his own stuff on the side. And then this project, Baseball United, bringing baseball to over 2 billion people in the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and India. Pretty cool. Yeah, and it's the bat and ball capital of the world. So it does seem to make a, a lot of sense. It seems weird that you would say, uh, it feels like this should have already been done, but it also seems weird that it's happening now. It's just like a lot of uh, wild stuff. And he had a lot of cool stuff to uh, say. And I can't wait to see this, uh, you know, take off. Yeah, this is going to be a really cool experience with a lot of Cincinnati ties that you'll hear all about. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Cash Shake. Cash Shake, the CEO of Baseball United, joining us today. How are you? 
I'm doing well, guys. Great to see my Cincinnati boys representing. Got the Reds paraphernalia behind you, so I'm looking good. That's right. <laughs> you know what's really cool is Chris actually painted that. No way. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm not That's trying awesome. to show it off. It's just you eventually run out of uh, room when you make a bunch <laughs> of big paintings, so inevitably you're going to have something on the wall. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, great job. Great work. Appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining us. This is uh, what you're doing is very unique and extremely special. And we're very interested on how how the, the whole process of shaping this league, getting it off the ground and then just moving forward and what you're what you're looking for and how to build it. But first off, spent a lot of time in Cincinnati, split time between uh, Dubai and Cincinnati. So the big question is Skyline or Gold Star? Oh, man, you know what? I'm going to get kicked out of town for this one because neither my first my, my first meal in Cincinnati because I'm I was born and raised in Texas and I went to the University of Texas and I actually interned at Procter and Gamble um, my junior year summer so of course they took the intern to Skyline as my as your ceremonial first meal and you know what for some, I just I didn't like it I'm a Texas chili type of dude so. That's that's the first and only time I ever went. So, um, you know, I'm I'm much more of a La Rosa's pizza dude myself. If I had to choose a Cincinnati staple, that's where I would go. Good save. That's, yeah, it's a great <laughs> pool. Yeah, yeah. Then then you just gotta throw Montgomery in it, and then you're you're fine. You've got right. two thirds in your cup. Right. Brushing off all the grippos dust in your hands as you're making the statement. Get, get get some graders too at the end there so we can work that in la roses and graders and now i'm in <laughs> oh man now we got to get like a uh like a savory graders ice cream with a grippo dust cone that's right that's right that's right so but you know i love, I love cincinnati it's it's uh it's where i grew up you know i spent all my young formative years uh in cincinnati i just turned 44 last week so um, I got a baby face, I know, but I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> up there. But um, you know, I spent all my pretty much my 20s and and early 30s in Cincinnati working at Procter and Gamble. Fell in love with the city. Um, and even when I started, when I left, I left Procter and Gamble to go lead marketing at GoPro um, in the early early days of of uh, the camera company, and then bounced around and built my own company. That, and I never thought I was going to be back in Cincinnati, but you know the the good lord brought me back and um you know met my wife there and everything like that so lo love cincinnati and it's pretty cool as you all know as huge reds fans with cincinnati being the birthplace of baseball um the home and the uh, of the first ever professional baseball team now playing such a central role in taking the game international to a region that's never had the game before um, getting to work with my 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 brother Barry Larkin, who's a co-owner um, on this journey with me, and he's he's a uh, uh, really been a pioneer of international baseball his whole post-playing career. I mean, he he coached the Brazilian national team, as y'all know. He spent time teaching and training in Japan. He was in the movie Million Dollar Arm, you know, mm -hmm. for forty seconds, you know, which is about an Indian baseball player who got drafted or got signed by the pirates um you know so cincinnati has got such a great baseball lineage and i'm just excited for more and more people in our city to start learning about what's happening because if you 
go to Mumbai where, where we have a franchise, you go to Karachi, you can come here in Dubai. And before baseball United, if you ask someone about Cincinnati, the, if you asked a thousand people, zero, I'm talking about zero would say they know Cincinnati. That's the honest truth. Probably less than 0.001% awareness of Cincinnati in this region. But now with BU and Baseball United, when we're telling the story, we tell the story of Cincinnati. And I was with, you know, Amir um, Aftab, you know, a few months ago, a few weeks ago. And I was telling him like, dude, we're marketing your city for you in every conversation. And it's pretty cool because we get to tell the story of the Cincinnati Reds. We get to tell the story of the Big Red Machine. We get to tell the story about how this city that loves sport is helping you know, propel the growth internationally. So it's pretty cool. That's really cool. Hopefully you'll be talking about the 2024 Reds next year and how they're competing for a World Series. Yeah, how did how'd you get hooked up with Barry? You know what? Um, actually, I, I, I was doing marketing work for Kroger for a long time with our agency, BSB, which is based in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Um, and we opened up our BSB sports division right around COVID, actually. So it's kind of like the worst time uh, to, to open. But um, as part of our work with Kroger, we we proposed and then executed a pretty big campaign with Major League Baseball to try to drive vaccinations in black and brown communities at the time. Because at that time, as y'all may recall, black and brown communities were um, getting COVID at a much higher rate than other communities but they were much lower on vaccinations. So we did a cool campaign because Kroger is a regional uh, business because they have Smith's down in you know Utah and Ralph's in LA and Kroger home in Cincinnati. Um, so we did fries in Phoenix and baseball really is a regional business as well, you know, more so than some of the other sports. Like the NBA, you can market a lot of players around the US. But in baseball, you're pretty much like if someone's on the Reds, you like them, take that person to Cleveland, probably not going to get as <laughs> as much love. So we did a program working with 12 Major League Baseball players and one Hall of Fame alumni, which was Lark, um, in 13 different markets. And it actually we, we did a great job with it and it really performed well. And Lark and I um, got really close during that campaign because we were doing a lot of work together. Uh, during COVID. And then after that, he asked me if I could start representing him and his marketing um, opportunities and deals and some of his negotiations with 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 the Reds, uh, his broadcast deal, things like that. And over, over time, we just got really close. So we've only known each other about three years, but we just became, um, you know, we kind of hit it off from day one. And um, about a year and a half ago, we, we started talking about the state of the game, you know, and a lot of it started with some of the, the, the challenges and the troubles the game was facing in the U S you know, as y'all may know, I mean, major league baseball has the oldest fan base in all the professional sports. The average age of an MLB fan is 57 years old, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then you have a declining um, engagement with, uh, with um, diverse communities as well. You've got less black players in MLB today than when Jackie Robinson retired. Um, you know, you, you had the pace of play issues. So we were trying to figure out how we could make a positive impact on the game. And we were racking our brains about it. Um, 
to where we finally started thinking about and realizing that what we believed the future of the game was was international. And as you know, you pretty much got North America and Latin America and then the Far East, East Asia, which are your baseball hotbeds. And pretty much there's not much happening in between. You've got pockets in Europe, but not a lot of activity. We saw a huge footprint in the Middle East and South Asia where you have 2 billion people. A billion of them are cricket fans, which is actually the largest bat and ball sport on earth. And when we started this journey, we said, you know, what could we do to try to inspire those cricket fans to learn and fall in love with our bat and ball game that we love of baseball? And and I'll tell you, that's what kicked off this whole journey a year and a half ago. But what's really propelled it over the last nine to 10 months is that we've learned there's a ton more baseball fans out here than we ever could have imagined. I mean, in UAE alone, which is a country of 10 million people, there's 800,000 avid baseball fans. I'm in Dubai right now at our global headquarters. There's 450,000 avid baseball fans here in Dubai alone. You know, uh, in India, there's 53 million avid baseball fans. And avid is important because it means they're transacting in some way. They're streaming games. They're buying merch. You know, they're they're, um, playing in their local leagues. And for perspective, guys, that's more avid baseball fans than we have in the United States right now. You know, that's insane. They're insane numbers out here. Um, Obviously, it's the level of difficulty to make this happen is on a one to 10. It's a 46. You got like different governments. You got different cultures. There's different rules and regulations. You need a permit for everything out here, you know, to breathe. You need a permit like. Um, there's different languages. I mean, um, it's, we knew it was going to be hard. It's even harder. Yeah. But, um, the opportunity, the upside is massive. So what is this actually leads into one of my big questions, which is what is your plan of attack for converting the fans that you are going after over there? And also it kind of goes hand in hand. How are you planning to convert the fan base that's already installed here? I know when you mentioned age, you mentioned like the average baseball fans, 57. Look, we already have a hard time telling them like, Hey, you should watch our podcast on YouTube. Or like, can I do it on my TV? Um, So, so uh, how are you going to one, get the fans over there? What is your strategy for engagement? How much is it going to be, of getting them like, hey, look, it's cricket, adju- like adjunct, and kind of using that as your attack for drawing people in. And how also are we going to be able to watch these games stateside and and over by where you guys are? Well, there's a lot of things we're doing. So actually, in this showcase, for example, which is November 24th and 25th here in Dubai, um, we're really focusing on baseball fans. So obviously our growth when we get into the millions of fans is going to be transforming these cricket fans into baseball fans. But as we start, we're really focusing on what we call our prime prospect, which are avid baseball fans. So we're trying to get every person that likes or loves baseball to be engaging in what we're doing. Um, You know, we started ticket sales, a soft launch of ticket sales yesterday. They're going pretty good honestly they're not going as well as i'd want them to i've learned this is like a miami type of town and crowd or la where everybody's last minute everybody buys stuff like three days before and i'm like 
come on guys, like you're, I'm going to be like freaked out for the next 30 days. But, um, you know, we kick off our big marketing plan this week, actually. And we have a partnership with um, ARN, ARN, which is the big radio conglomerate here. Um, radio, if you can, if you can believe it, is actually the primary medium out here. Most people, there's there's a ton of traffic out here as well. Most people listen to radio on their commute. Um, they're not like tapping into satellite radio. It's just kind of the, like old school radio, like we used to listen to back in the day, you know. So radio is a huge, huge platform. We've got a significant radio partnership, which I'm excited about. Um, there's a lot of out of home and billboards and LED boards all over this town. We've got a, a pretty significant media buy that kicks off. Uh, we got big sexy on, on the media board, um, which is going to be funny. We got big sexy throwing a, a, a fastball on a big, uh, I think it's an 80 foot led. I mean, and, and you got big sexy on it. So it's pretty badass. And then, um, We've got a partnership with the Little League here, which is pretty cool. Because Dubai Little League is, is one of the best little leagues on the planet. Um, they've definitely got the best view from home plate on their main field. It's the view of the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world. Um, there's 500 families that are part of Little, little League. So we're trying to get them out. So there's a lot that we're doing within the community to try to drive people to the ballpark for the showcase and then hopefully build that fan base over time. Um we're our full season starts next year and next year we have eight franchises um playing a total of 65 games in november and december so we've got we're going from two games and two teams to a massive massive undertaking next year and that's where we really um we're hoping that this kicks everything off and we got a year to really build in the trenches build community build relationships and and cultivate that fan base we are going to be broadcasting all across the world. So India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, obviously back home in States. Um, we have different broadcast partners in different countries. But for the U.S., the main place it looks like people will be able to watch is BaseballUnited.com. Um, cool. All the games will be streaming for free. Um, which will be cool. And we've got a pretty nice production, like an average Cincinnati Reds game, for example, uses six, a six camera setup with one or two, maybe roving cameras for our production. We're going to have 13 cameras and two roving cameras. Well, wow. and you know what, what's also pretty cool for, for our Cincinnati uh, connection is most of the broadcast folks that I'm hiring are Cincinnati Reds broadcasting, uh, professionals because basically like no one even knows ball follow out here like i started working god love them i started working with a lot of cricket guys at first and i'm like mm -hmm. all right you like we know all sports and i had them working the cameras and somebody hits a ball in the left field and the guys are like filming like you know second base because <laughs> they don't know they don't know the game so i was yeah. like holy shit like we have to teach people how to like shoot this like from a video and content standpoint so it's been crazy because we have to teach and train everything. So I'm bringing literally the head producer that like the live feed producer, Josh Hall from the Reds over mm -hmm. bringing one of the directors over. I'm actually trying to get the Reds PA announcer to come over, you know, to do the PA. So mm -hmm. there's so, so many ties to Cincinnati. It's, it's crazy. That's it's awesome. Cool. Let alone, I mean, what Philip Urban's playing for you guys. Uh, Red's legend Shed Long and Chris Sabo, yeah. one of the managers. Yeah, dude, we've got so many um, Red. We got, well, 
we haven't announced the coaching staff yet, so maybe we'll, we should break the news on the show. But we got Mariano Duncan coaching first base for one of the teams. We got we got Stephen Larkin coaching third base. Um, nice. I, I I'm I'm so disappointed to share this on the Nasty Boys podcast because we had Rob Dibble until we changed the dates. Rob Dibble was our pitching coach, oh, but. But Rob, hopefully, um, will be with us next year for the full season. But as you all know, the 24th and 25th is Thanksgiving weekend. So, you know, when the government shifted on us, we lost it. We lost some folks on that. But, um, you know, had a great time with Norm Charlton, Randy Myers, Rob Dibble when we had our initial um, owners meeting. And we had it in Cincinnati. I actually had everyone dinner at my place. We went to the Reds game. And we had this awesome reunion with the Nasty Boys, with Lark, with Sabo. It was so cool. But that's, we have a ton of Cincinnati connections. That's awesome, man. That's that's yeah. oh, that's just so cool how rooted it is here with everything you're doing over there. It's it's pretty astounding. And what one of the one of the things I was you mentioned like the government shifting on you and yeah. having to be flexible. Have you already secured your? cricket stadiums for the 65 for next season and if so how difficult was that or how difficult is that process yeah great question i mean there's really only two stadiums in this whole country that we can use there's one in dubai dubai international stadium transform cricket stadiums into baseball stadiums um i mean cricket stadiums are basically a big circle you know and obviously we know that we have a diamond um so we have to do everything from import the clay. I, I'm importing clay from Rajasthan, India, as well as some good old American clay coming from the States. Um, we're, we're building fencing, you know, we're building the netting, um, you know, we're we're transforming the, the, the typical foul line experience. So y'all know Oakland Coliseum mm -hmm. is known for having like this cavernous out of out of bounds, you know, uh, out of play areas on, on this on first and third base line. We're going to, we're like quadruple that. Okay. So, so what I wanted to do was fill that space. So we're putting for the first time ever on field cabanas, you know, basically imagine like bottle service at the club. You've got like lounges and you got a little bottle <laughs> with some netting and we're putting ball boys and ball girls right in front to protect people. And we're selling those as like premium on-field seating, which is pretty cool. Um, and so the whole experience is, is going to be fun, but it's all, we're having to build it from scratch. We are working with the gentleman named Murray Cook. And mm -hmm. Murray Cook is like an OG of OGs. If you like Google Murray Cook, he's like the guy that's transformed all international fields for MLB for the last like 40 years. So he did the London games. He did the first cricket stadium they did like in the 80s, I believe, down in Sydney. So we have like, you know, the world's best helping, um, you know, advise us, but it is a pretty big undertaking. The other thing besides just uh, the field, did we lose Billy? I think yeah, still I'm ch it's chugging. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. As long as you're there now, I'm, I'm glad we've had you free. Look at the Mona Lisa right now, just perfectly frozen. There you go. Um, but aside from the fields, you know, we're, we're redesigning and transforming the seating as well, because most cricket stadiums here, they're, they're interesting because they don't have like assigned seats where you, where you, you have a specific seat number. Mm -hmm. 
it's basically just like general admission. So we had to, we obviously have a ticketed experience and we had to build out a diamond club. We're building out something we're calling the gold club. We're building out infrastructure with the ticketing partners so that you can have a signed seat. So um, like when I say we're building everything from scratch, we're literally having to build everything from scratch. When I signed up for this journey, I didn't think that we have to do all that. I might not have signed up for it, but you know, we're learning a ton. And and the cool thing is the barrier to entry is so high. Like when people ask me, like, this is a great idea. Why the hell did nobody had tried this before? It's because the damn barrier to entry is so high. I mean, sure. not only do you have to have a myriad of government partnerships. But like you have to build everything from scratch. So it's just a ton of work that I don't think people wanted to take on. And and like I said, we might not even have taken it on if we knew in the beginning. But now we're we're all in and we're we're on a journey to figure it out. Yeah, you're too supporting clay. I'm pretty sure you're pretty much in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you're too you're too far deep to ask the real questions, you know. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah. like I'm stuck, man. This is it. I Which, do have a question about uh sorry to cut you off, Bill. Uh the uh you were talking about the stadiums there. Do you ever anticipate having the teams travel to like maybe in the states or other countries that do have uh, a baseball cu culture or already stadiums in place? Or is that like a handful of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe exhibitions like the Nippon League um, have asked us to come to Japan. The Australian Baseball League um, has asked us to come out there. We're in talks with Major League Baseball, and hopefully we'll be able to announce a partnership soon. We've got a great relationship with MLB. Um, so I think out of season, I could see something like that happening. We even thought about it, honestly, as part of our showcase series. Maybe we go play in Australia and Japan or something. But um for our season, we're really focused on what's called the GCC, which is basically the Arabian Peninsula. And in next year, as I was mentioning, our stadiums are Dubai and Abu Dhabi here in the UAE, but we're also going to be playing in Doha. And Doha, as you all know, was where we had the World Cup. They built eight new stadiums for the World Cup. Two of them, they dismantled um, post-World Cup. So now you got six stadiums there. I went and looked at it all six of them, two of them are perfect for us um, for what we're trying to do. So ideally we have a three city circuit, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, Doha. Um, Doha is an hour flight um, from Dubai. As I mentioned, Abu Dhabi is about an hour and a half drive. So it's pretty quick. And then um, what that enables us to do is kind of create more of a bubble concept when we're playing in each city, just like the USFL did when they played and, like what happened during COVID, because then you you bring down travel costs, you kind of cut out logistics, you get to kind of saturate the fan base. So that's really our plan in the first couple of years. And then and then ideally expand to Saudi Arabia as well. You know, Riyadh is on fire for sport. You know, Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury just fought a couple of days ago mm -hmm. and they put on an amazing show. Um, and we've been getting a lot of pull and uh, from Riyadh. So We'll see. I mean, for us guys, honestly, this showcase is really a proof of concept for us. Um, no one in the region has seen baseball. They don't understand it fully. We're hoping to put on a great show, and then we believe we're going to have a lot of opportunities around here. Cool. Absolutely. No, that totally makes sense because a lot of the questions were like I'm thinking of are are so far ahead where it's like we just need to worry about getting onto the field, showing the product, showing that it's going to be good. And then moving on, 
So I, I'm really excited. How, so was it basically you talked to Barry and then you worked with these players during the, the Kroger um, vaccination campaign to be like, Hey, so we got this going. And then Barry's like, I know some guys that still would, would want to get involved in kind of using him. Well, actually, well, we, so Lark and I started talking about this post, post the Kroger campaign and we got connected to, um, another gentleman who's a brother of mine now, John Medrick, who's our vice chairman and head of um, baseball operations. John is actually a former NYPD um, cop, but he spent the last 10 years as the head of international operations for NYPD based here in the Middle East. So he had, he had a lot of relationships with government leaders and access and he's a crazy baseball fanatic like we are. And he's married to a Dominican woman. So he started spending a lot of time in Dominican Republic, which, as you all know, baseball is religion in Dominican, probably more than anywhere. Maybe Japan, DR, probably the top two, right? And then John started an academy down in Dominican. And so I got connected with John and Lark and I got connected with him. He was connected with a gentleman named Victor Campos, who was big in baseball mm -hmm. in Dominican and through there, we started connecting with a lot of guys as we started throwing this idea out about taking the game to the Middle East. The first guy after that, who's not Dominican, but ran in the similar circles, was Mariano Rivera. Um, and and then really, it was myself, John Medrick, John's brother, Warren Medrick, Lark, and Mariano, who decided to come together to build Baseball United. Um, we took a couple cracks at it early with different forms. And we got burned, to be honest with you, because we were trying to find partners here locally. And we learned pretty quickly, you know, you got to vet people out. You can't trust everybody. We were giving money to folks and it was disappearing. So we, that's when we said, look, if we're going to do this shit, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it the right way, the right people. And we're going to have to be boots on the ground here making it happen. So the five of us started it. And then... Um, the first big person that we brought in was after that was Adrian Beltre and, um, and, and, and Adrian who is from the DR um, was just a huge, huge catalyst for us. I mean, he's one of the most respected players in the game. One of the best third basemen of all time, as you all know, just throughout the first pitch at game two of the world series um, threw a strike in there uh, down in Texas. But when we brought Adrian on that really, and that was a hard ass thing to do, dude. You just imagine like me pitching him, like I'm pitching you on a Zoom call, telling him, you know, we're going to take baseball to the Middle East, and you know, he's a he's a he kind of plays devil's advocate most of the time. He's got an amazing team around him of like advisors and consultants and financial and legal, and I had to like go through the gauntlet with all of them. But we got Beltre to come on board, invest as an as a co owner. And that really started a, a very cool domino effect when we closed Elvis Andrews, who, who's a really good friends with um, Adrian. Then we end up closing Felix Hernandez, who's also a good friend with Adrian. So that's where it really started. Um, then Nick Swisher started blowing me up, who's an Ohio guy as well. Nick Swisher, if you remember him, he played mm -hmm. at Ohio State. Um, he was like, dude, I see everything you're doing. He was just blowing me up on Instagram, which was crazy to me because I'm like, okay, now shit starting to shift now because i got guys hitting me up mm -hmm. and swisher's <laughs> like blowing me up i want to be a part of it we closed nick swisher then ryan howard hit me up because he worked 
with Nick as part of the commissioner's cap program <laughs> with MLB that they just started, commissioner's ambassador program. Mm -hmm. We got Ryan on board. And then just then we started really doing well with our franchise announcements and you know all of our marketing, our social. You know, we started building, you know, my background's in brand building. Um, you know, we built five great brands with our four franchises, our Mumbai Cobras and our Karachi Monarchs and our, our Dubai and Abu Dhabi franchises, and then BU. So honestly, like players started really coming out of um, everywhere. And then this last group we brought on was seven great guys led by Robinson Cano, who's one of the best second basemen of all time. Um, and we just, you know, now we've got 14 guys, including Albert Pujols, who's another guy left out, Dominican, uh, maybe the best of all time. Um, so 14 guys that are part of our investment in, in ownership and master group. And we're about to announce a few more here in a couple uh, couple days, maybe next week. Um, so it's pretty, pretty exciting because these guys have um, not just brought credibility, they've brought, brought passion, you know, they've brought their own, they put their money where their mouth is. And, you know, I really believe, man, that we there's if you look at any other professional sports league on the planet, there's no take me out of the ownership group, you know, <laughs> would take me out everyone else. There's no league out there that has the pedigree that baseball United has at the ownership level of guys who performed on the field. You know what I mean? I mean, you literally Bartolo Colon's an investor too. So it's like, okay, if we put our starting lineup, you got Beltre at third, Lark at short, Cano at second, probably Pujols at first, Ryan Howard at DH, you know, Nick Swisher in the outfield, Hanley Ramirez in the outfield, Robinson Chirino's playing catcher. And then you're like, do you start Felix Hernandez or Bartolo Colon? You know, you got, you got Matt Barnes, middle relief, and you got Mariano Rivera freaking coming in to close. I mean, shit, dude. <laughs> dude, they would have won the World Series in 2012. No doubt. Dude, we would just destroy people. Like, I could probably just be a utility player with that team. You know, you would be all right. Yeah. yeah. Just let me be at the end and be bench coach and just chew on seeds. Exactly. I thinking. I'd like to be the third base coach on that. Just throw, like tear a rotator cuff, telling everybody to will. Exactly. Arm. And you know, what? Pudge Rodriguez. Pudge Rodriguez is one of our advisors, so we could even put Pudge at catcher as well. That's wild. And then he caught uh, the first pitch on uh, on Friday night's game. Yeah, he did from he W. Did. So That's it's very right. in interesting to hear these investors in this board. And you kind of have to think to yourself, you'll be one of the first ever player forward professional leagues. Exactly. It's so true, man. And and that's one of the coolest parts of this is that players, you know, especially in, in the big leagues in the MLB, I mean, players don't get a ton of opportunities, whether front office and definitely not ownership, you know, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, African-American players, you know, people of color. And for us, we've got so many guys um, from all different backgrounds, races, et cetera, a very diverse group of former players that now get to be at the ownership level, you know, um, and it's a dream come true for them. And it's a dream come true for me and our team. Um, and this is a league that's built by players for players, you know, because the other thing that's really happening, and I'm sure you guys see this and notice this is that, the last couple of years, MLB has significantly contracted. You know, they cut the, the minor league system in half, um, cut the draft in half. So you've got this surplus of 
really talented professional guys that four or five years ago would have had a shot, don't have a shot anymore. Plus there's a whole dynamic happening. And I was an agent for a while as well. Um, and there's a dynamic happening with contracts. If you notice, like guys are getting obviously their four or five, six years of rookie deals, arbitration years. And then most guys are getting one contract if they're performing pretty well. And they're usually signing a three or four year deal. But then after that, unless you're in a, a Soto or a Trout or a Tani, a lot of guys aren't getting that second big contract anymore. Case in point is Didi Gregorius. I mean, he's 32 years old. You know, he was shortstop after Jeter. I mean, he had like multiple 20 home run seasons in a row. You know what I mean? Like there's no reason he shouldn't be in the, in the big leagues. You know what I mean? But there's a lot of guys like that, that once you hit 32, 33, they're not really looking at you anymore. They're looking at the young guys. And there's a lot of reasons. I mean, MLB owners and GMs are smart. There's a lot of reasons they're doing that. But you've got all these guys who can still play, you know, and still have that passion to play. And that's one of the biggest reasons I'm excited about our league, because we get to be a, a platform and a league where these guys can expand, extend and evolve their careers. And Didi Gregorius is one of those guys. Robinson Cano is 40 years old. He's going to be playing, you know, Pablo Sandoval, Panda. I mean, he's 37. He can still play. You know, I grew up watching Nolan Ryan pitch till he was 45 years old, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Justin Verlander from my team down in Houston, I mean, 40 years old. So guys can still play. Mm -hmm. uh, and we get to be an opportunity for a lot of those guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just where you see like players uh, extending their careers or going to fix something like in North Korea or something. So this is another uh, conduit for getting back to the big leagues or just extending their, uh, their careers in general. Yep. Yeah. And you know, like, because the three major call it March to October leagues, obviously are MLB, NPB in Japan and KBO. And then you have winter ball, which is typically November to February ish, November to January. So for us, like I'll, I don't consider our league a winter ball league just in terms of the dynamics, but we are going to be playing during the winter ball period, just by nature of it's hot as hell out here after, you know, basically outside of November to February. So you can't really play um, one day as I think you were asking about, you know, where we, what we could do in the future. I mean, one day when we have dome stadiums out here and stuff, maybe we evolve the format, mm -hmm. but our plan in the first few years is just playing from November to February. So what that enables us to do is, become a partner league with MLB if we wanted like Acuna is playing in the Venezuelan league, you know, during winter mm -hmm. ball this year, you know, so we could, as a MLB partner, we could have Acuna play out here um, if we wanted to, you know, um, and we have a lot of just different dynamics that we can play with, whether it's current MLB guys who want to get some time during winter ball, whether it's guys like the Pablos of the world that were extending their career. And of course we're developing talent here as well, working with all the baseball federations um as well what was that process like well in, in general you know getting guys that you know like you talked about with dd gregoria shet long guys who are in their you know either late 20s early 30s plus talking with npb and all those other leagues and kind of being getting permission to be like hey if they're not going to play over with you guys how do we get them over here well you know we've got amazing baseball ops uh team and led by John Medrick and Eddie Diaz. Eddie Diaz is like a lifer, MLB lifer, worked for the, the the Rays. He's 
He's been a president of, um, of a team in Mexico. He's actually in the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame, managed a couple of teams, won a couple of Caribbean series, I think three Caribbean series. So he's super connected. And those guys are the ones that started to build our base of players. Um, and we did a pretty good job with that. And then word of mouth started spreading as we started launching. We started bringing all these owners in. Um, now, man, we probably get 100 inbound messages from professional players a day. Um, wow. You know, if I, you know, like my my DMs on IG are full of um, players. And, and that's one thing I feel bad about. I wish we could sign more. Um, for our showcase, we only have two teams playing two games, the two all-star teams. So we, and we actually only need 50 players for that. You know, we have about 1800 players in our database now. So, you know, that tells you the, the, the surplus that I was talking about and then the desire guys have to play. The other thing in, in typical winter ball, like if guys were going down to Latin America, sometimes they're not sure, you know, how the pay is going to work out. Sometimes those places aren't as safe. You know, sometimes the conditions aren't, you know, what they're what they would ideally like to be a part of. When you're talking about Dubai, you're talking about one of the the coolest, cleanest, safest, most sexy cities on the planet. Most people have been, you know, wanting to come out here, have heard about it, have aspired to come out here. So for us, um, lots of times that's been uh, the easiest sell for us to tell people, do you want, hey, do you want to come out to Dubai and play? Everybody wants to come out here. So um, you know, getting players, nothing's been easy, but that's been our easiest part. That's good. Yeah, a good little hurdle to cross over considering you have everything else you've had on your plate and getting approvals. It's nice to have players who are like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Send send me over. That's right. That's right. That's it's cool, man. And, and I think the cool thing is all the guys that we have are high character guys. You know, they're they're good people. They're great ambassadors mm -hmm. for, you know, we're, we tell them like this is a you guys are are, are player pioneers, you know, because you got to represent the game. You got to represent um, America. You got to represent a lot of things that are important to us out here. So people know uh, what we're all about, you know, and, and it's a special opportunity, man. It's a it's I tell my team every day, like um, we're really blessed for this opportunity. It's a generational opportunity to be able to create a sports league from scratch on the other side of the world and to do it with it being America's pastime, you know, being mm -hmm. the oldest professional uh, league in, 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 in the world to now transport here is pretty awesome. Yeah. That I love the connective tissue, the first baseball team. And now you're transitioning over uh, to another world and having that happen again. And, You'd be hard pressed to find a you know a better set of ambassadors for this game. Barry Larkin, just a out and out captain for the Reds that we've seen for years. I think this is going to be a, a great thing. You're leading on the right foot. Yeah, Lark has been great. Uh, Lark is uh, the OG of OGs, even with our group, um, um, and um, he just loves to teach and he loves to build and he's passionate about growing the game. Saves has been awesome as well. You know he. Those two, we teamed up with the Mumbai Cobras franchise, which, again, didn't talk about the connective tissue. You've got the first ever franchise with the Reds, first ever franchise in India, 1.3 billion people in India. Now they're talking about the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, they're talking about the 1990 championship team. And I told, like I told our, our boy um, Aftab, I'm like, dude, you owe me some royalties, man, because people are talking about Cincinnati and freaking Mumbai now. 
<laughs> which is pretty, which is pretty awesome. That's wild. How, so looking at how you're going to present, have you taken some things from not just Major League Baseball, but how like MILB has advertised or say the Savannah Bananas or any type of other independent league? Have you looked to see what they do and you go, man, I think we could take this. Or has there been some stuff from watching from a little bit of a distance going, we're definitely not going to do that? Yeah, we're not going to go full Savannah Bananas, <laughs> um, you know, um, but we are we're definitely going to introduce some some rule changes um, to try to drive some excitement. And we're definitely trying to create a more festival atmosphere around the games. We have a fan fest where we got concerts going on outside the stadium. Um, we're introducing a designated runner rule. Um, where, you know, and actually there's another uh, Reds example. I talk about Ellie a lot when I explain to people out here and I show like tape of Eddie, of Ellie, you know, running around the bases and say like, this is the excitement we want to bring. The cool thing with that is we're, we're, and I haven't fully announced this yet. So you guys are kind of getting the scoop, but we're going to, as part of the prospect. So we have 25 people on each of our all-star teams, 22 of the guys that are professional players. Three of them are going to be prospects on each team. And one of each of those prospects are going to be our designated runners. So these are like just burners that we've recruited from like India and like Sri Lanka, you know? And what's cool is it's a way to integrate them into the professional setting while, you know, still enabling them to be a part of it, even though they can't play yet at the professional level. Mm -hmm. But just imagine, you know, the fans watching in India and they have an Indian local homegrown kid coming in as the designated runner, trying to steal a couple of bases. I mean, that's going to be pretty awesome. So that's we have a designated cool. runner. Yeah. Um, that was our way of integrating a lot of these countries because they, they're not yet at the pro professional level yet. Um, and then we have another cool concept, like, for example, called the money ball. Um, and it's not the Brad Pitt money ball. It's more of like the NBA three-point contest money ball. If you remember, the last ball on the rack is worth double the points. So we have this money ball concept where each manager gets three money balls a game that they can call when their team is batting. And if they call the money ball, it's a goal ball. You know, so we haven't actually don't have it on here, but we have it's a goal ball that comes up. It's delivered to the man to the mound and the guy in a full black tie outfit on a platter and basically if the hitter hits a home run with the money ball it's double the runs so a two-run home run becomes four grand slams eight runs so like it's the strategic opportunity for a manager to have depending on the game situation to call the money ball and if you can imagine like the excitement in the stadium when you're down maybe you're down three and you got a runner on and the money ball, if you hit a home run, you're going to get the lead. It's pretty, pretty badass. So the traditionalists, you know, like Mariano Rivera, traditionalist, he he couldn't stand the money ball at first. Beltre, you know, was like, I'm not sure. Lark, Lark loved the idea. And then I told Mariano, we Mariano, we're getting a local bank here to sponsor it for a few hundred thousand dollars. And he's like, I love the money ball. <laughs> Let, let's do it. So, <laughs> So the money ball is going to be pretty cool. Dude, it immediately makes it immediately makes me think of that steakhouse in Miami where they bring out the porterhouse in the suitcase yeah. and then they come out and they brand it. I mean, maybe yeah. you got to get a branding involved on the baseball as well, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're, we'll, that, we're, we're working with the local bank to do that. So I like the briefcase idea. Maybe we switch it that way. That that, that would be cool. That's awesome. But yeah. you know, just things like that to keep people excited. You know, it'll be fun. And the other thing that, you know, we all kind of take for granted back home, like they're not used to, you know, hot dogs and peanuts out here. They're not used to um, the activations between innings you know mm -hmm. we're gonna play in like country road and sweet home alabama you know all that stuff that just gets everybody fired mm -hmm. up um so it'll be cool for us to bring that out here a little bit of a, a americana out here yeah definitely so much culture is just intertwining this is uh this is something special yeah man it's exciting and you know when you see the NFL has done a great job when you watch some of the NFL games in Germany or London and you see that. And like, obviously that's the dream for us. Those are packed, packed stadiums and we've got a long way to go, but um, you know, that's what we're trying to build. We signed a 15 year deal with the UAE government, um, you know, which was the first ever in history for a non-local entity to get those types of rights and sanctions for a professional sport. So it's truly historic what, what we've been able to do, and we're super grateful for it. But what that also reminds us is this is a long journey. You know, we're going to do our best in this first showcase and then season one. And, you know, you learn and you, you screw up and you try to get better. And, you know, but we're in it for the long haul, man. We're in it, we're in it for the long haul. That's awesome. And I love the embrace of World Traditionalist and adding fun new elements. I mean, that's how you set yourself apart. You know, you don't want to go full sketch, dancing, doing TikToks, but definitely yeah. having the opportunity to do something unique and different. It's really cool. And that's also just going to engage a lot more people and it'll draw, you know, baseball dorks like us in because we'll be like, look what they're look at what they're doing. This is right, this is right. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All while maintaining like the integrity of the game, it seems like. So that that's the good thing. Exactly. And when you got a, a league that's run by Hall of Famers and All-Stars like we have, they do a good job of making sure we keep the integrity of the game, you know, at the forefront. Absolutely. Well, you got to you got to let us know where we can get our, our big, sexy jerseys. Yeah. You know what? We got to We got to get those made. I mean, I was so shocked that when we went out with the draft, everybody was like, I want this jersey. I want that jersey. So we partnered with a, a, a company called Arietta. And Arietta is really the leading provider of the official jerseys for the Mexican League and the Dominican League. They're based out of Mexico. Um, so I was telling them, dude, you guys got to start cranking out these jerseys. So um, that's going to be fun. We'll, we'll have yeah. to get you some some gear. I'll show you real quick, actually, because I just got these in. Hold on, let me show you. Oh, we're Yo. we yeah. The official oh. off the hot off the press. Um all-star jerseys that we got so we got our united oh. priest you know our united west jersey got our little cincinnati reds red and then um this is like the black one for like east yeah. and then that, when you that looks like the city connect yeah it does got like there's another reds connection and then so the teams are going to be wearing their color one night and then white the other night so Opening night is the West team's wearing red, East is wearing white. So still some Cincinnati and Americana in there, which mm. would be pretty cool. That's awesome. And yeah. then, uh, so give us an address to ship over a couple cases of Skyline and some La Rosa sauce, so then that could be handed out at the stadium. 
<laughs> Dude, you guys need to make the road trip out here. Dude. Skip Thanksgiving and get out here, man. Yeah, we need to get on a 17-hour flight with you. We'll do that. Yeah. If you guys get out here, I got some free Diamond Club tickets for you. So if you right. can make it happen. There's a we'll nice flight. Happen, Bill. We got to dip into the funds. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably get a, like an $800, $800, $700 flight. It's probably what you could get. That's not bad. So you're yeah, just going to hear a knock oh, at your door cool. and, and open it up. It's just going to be like, hi, <laughs> we're here yeah, with our backpacks. The, the luggage route. I might just jump in your luggage there and try to go that and hang out in the, uh, the cabin. You know I'm, I'm not even, uh, even going to be back home until after this thing's done. So I'm, I'm, I'm here in the trenches until we get it done. So, Oh, man. That's awesome. I know we only got you for a few more minutes here. Um, Billy? Do we got some other questions uh, you want to go through here for them? Anything uh, we're missing? Man, I think we really did cover it, you know, over back. Oh, yeah. So like, this might be an, another long ball question, you know, just a long term thing. Um, how how is your like advanced scouting and all of that going to work out? Like how analytics driven will this league be? Or am I asking a question that is not even crossed your mind yet? Well, it's definitely crossed my mind, and I think that you know we believe in 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 art and science. So I think that analytics will play a role for sure, um, and then you know some old school baseball feel will will play a role. Um, I think that once we do this showcase, um, a big part of our development next year is going to be building out our baseball ops infrastructure. Yeah. Um, like I said. On one hand, we've got 1,800 players or so in our database, and we only need a couple hundred next year. So in the short term, we're we're, we're in great shape. Mm -hmm. um, but we want to start building some infrastructure and some partnerships to start um, the, the long-term uh, build of our baseball operations and our pipeline. You know, one of the big things that we still have to do is sell our franchises. You know, part of our strategy mm -hmm. and my strategy was – to do this showcase. And then afterwards we're putting our franchises up for sale. Um, and when we do that, obviously we're selling to ownership groups that then we have to help them. Um, we talk about, add this to the list of things we got to build from scratch. We got to help the ownership groups understand how they can build their farm system. And, and you know, it's like, it's different than if you go buy a, uh, the Dodgers or something like that in, in, in MLB where everything's already built. For us, when we're selling franchises, we're saying, all right, here's the 20% of operations that you are responsible for, HR, finance, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the 80% we're going to do for you for the next three years. Everything from your social media accounts and your brand building to your baseball operations, your farm system development, all that. I mean, it's just a, it's just a mountain of, of work, you know? Um, and, um, you know, we have a lean team. Everybody thinks we have way more people than we have. Um, you know, my agency, BSV, has been leading a lot of the creative, really all the creative and branding. We've got a lean team here in Dubai. A few folks are back home. Um, but, you know, just a few crazy people that are trying to pull this off. And then next year, um, you know, we're going to be hiring quite a bit as we start to grow. Cool stuff. Well, we got yep. uh, all the faith in the world in you and uh, the team that you put together to have this thing not only do well, but to really flourish. And I can't wait to start watching these games. And 
more importantly, when can we start betting on these games? <laughs> oh, that's a good question, man. Sixty-five, get involved in anything like that? DraftKings. We need to get a betting partner. You know, it's on the list, and you know, I haven't tackled it yet, but definitely for this season, we will for sure. Cool. We will for sure. But I appreciate you guys. I th- thank you guys for reaching out. Love what you're doing, and you know, um, keep keep going, keep growing with with your own. Um, passion and podcast and if we can help in the future just let me know man absolutely thanks for joining us and uh we'll be watching the stream for the uh you know what watch the stream no chris we're gonna book our flights we're we're headed your way why not we got diamond oh yeah hey dude why not yeah let's go cool and we'll give you field access and doug got access to interview the players do all that stuff you know what i mean you get full media pass everything That's all great. right we're all, we're on our way <laughs> all right